0: Welcome to the Indian Silicon Valley Podcast. I'm your host, Jivraj, and on this podcast, I speak with founders, investors, and domain experts from the Indian Valley, trying to understand the art of building a legendary company. In this episode, I speak with the co-founders of MindTicket, Krishna Depura and Deepak Devakar. MindTicket is the leading sales readiness platform in the world, championing The cost for category creation and product innovation from India for the world, Mindtickle has truly stood out and built an organization that manifests continued innovation, collaborative impact and leadership in its market segment. Today, it is valued at over $1.2 billion, generating massive impact and value for all stakeholders. Mindtickle's journey personifies the true entrepreneurial spirit and I sit down with its co-founders to unfold much of it and dive deeper into the core tenets of building a category-defining company. Through this conversation, we discuss a bunch of things covering aspects around culture, innovation, pivots, having fun, and long-term thought. Thus, without further ado, let's dive in. To the 81st episode of the Indian Silicon Valley podcast, Sales Readiness for the World with Krishna and Deepak of Ticket. Thank you so much Deepak and Krishna for joining me. I'm very excited and absolutely honored to be hosting both of you today. Thanks for, thanks for the session.
1: Thanks Zivraz, for hosting us. We are also equally excited.
0: Thank you, Krishna and Deepak. And I think what fascinates me a lot about the mindtical journey is just the amazing niche you found out and how you started. And I want to begin right there because what I found very, very interesting through my research leading up to the conversation was the fascinating dna of entrepreneurship that all founders exhibit what i mean by that is whenever i've heard all of you speak there is a sense of you know love for building the love for generating value and that exemplifies entrepreneurship so maybe if we can turn back time and help understand what brought and ignited that fire of you know the love for building and how you got started i think that would be wonderful to
1: hear yeah i can start and uh, then deepak can follow so right Generally, the way it works is between like all the founders that I start the thought process and then my co-founders completely complement me. So I think that is where we complement each other very well. So I think uh, I think the way you are putting it, the love of building, we put it in a little bit of different way, right? So one thing that has combined us or like you know had got us together and still like keeping us together is feeling of why not or creativity. So. Mm-hmm i'll put it in a different way because the way we came together was not necessarily because we wanted to do entrepreneurship or we had a certain particular product in mind or we wanted to do i mean we even did not know what b2b saas like looks like right i think that we came together for a lot of different things we came together for doing uh, some creative things was whether it was sometimes like you know creating some music together or creating some treasure hunts or even sometimes when we were doing uh, paperbacks that how do you you know make uh, environment-friendly things. So I think the idea was like most of us are driven by challenging the status quo and trying to do something different. So I think that has been the common thread. And yes, in that process, I think somewhere it leads to the love of building in the sense like, because you are trying a lot of things, you are experimenting a lot of new things, then obviously you don't stop and just... Thinking about it, you try to execute on it. So if you see a mindical journey and maybe we can cover it later, but there are a lot of first here, which were not necessarily because we wanted to be like, no, no, we want to prove to the world like we are the only ones. It just like it came to your mind. It generated curiosity. Curiosity led to some action and action resulted in something happening. So I mean, I'll rather put it that way. and That is how I'll define our journey and maybe our so far, like our mindset. And I'll add Deepak deeper.
2: Yeah, the two parts to it. One was that we came together not to like, let's start something, let's start something. We came together a common passion. I think there's a lot of history. I've had a time we could have shared more, but history was making a paperback to thinking of a street play, different awareness and spending time having online treasure hunt and discovering each other, discovering during that all those things, discovering that there's a there's a good synergy that we can come together. And uh, when we come together to solve a problem, it wasn't that the day need to solve the that problem or this problem, right? It was again a discovery, right? And during the discovery, one part that was that actually kind of put us together, still puts us together in the common perspective uh, in the context of India. Is hopefully it's getting changed little, uh, positively. Is uh, if you if you generally take three axes, put that uh, y-axis when a two type of business model, one business model, which is kind of a repeatable business model, but the context is new. The geo is new. Location is new. Vertical is new. And then the, another part is basically completely new problem formation. Like it was scattered problem. Now you're forming that in X-axis, you put B2C versus B2B and the Z-axis you put local versus global. So you realize that, uh, historically we've been lot in the repeatable business model, B2C local. Even the B2B space, a lot of companies who grown up really well, again, reputable business model, they did global, but reputable business model. Nothing is wrong. I mean, that that kind of led everyone explore that, hey, this is possible. We can actually put ourselves in the global map. What was missing in the sense like foundationally thinking a global problem, right? And it wasn't an example to it. Like If you're going to solve the problem journey, you're going to committing 15 years to it. Then why don't to show, can we be, can we kind of solve that problem? Show that thousand people that, Hey, uh, we can from here, we can think of a global problem. We can solve a global problem. And during that journey, the impact is not just my indicator. impact is those thousand people who potentially start another hundred companies, which can think a global problem
0: no that's amazing i think uh, i think that summarization of doing things differently challenging the status quo and just having this sense of curiosity to solve problems is the common thread from what i can hear and i stand corrected i think building is the means to the end but the common thread is the problem solving aspect of it and just thinking uh, differently so i think i love that and that's going to be a great cue for all young builders out there so thanks for already setting a great bar for this conversation i think moving forward you know i'd love to understand and since we're at this a legend has it that mindpickle had a bunch of pivots before finding that you know sales readiness and how you've now expanded into that entire platform approach leading the charge in this very market now if we can turn back time and not just understand the pivots on the surface level but go deeper and and Understand the intellectual honesty that's required to course correct. That's required to actually, you know, uh, make those pivotal decisions of maybe going from one place to another and finding your feet. I think that would be great and very, very crucial to understand because I think at the early journeys it can get a bit daunting and pivots are not as well understood. Uh, while we understand the success of it right now, what was it like in the moment? What led you to maybe a course correct? I think that would be wonderful to hear if you can give us a quick preview
2: you know when we started formally when we started we started as a treasure hunt and the treasure hunt turned into uh, employee engagement that turned into the new hire onboarding and that turned into sales onboarding and then ultimately sales readiness right that's a, that's the a journey right uh, it wasn't that from day one we like okay this is the sales readiness problem no but one part was foundationally clear ultimately we have we have to play the effectiveness game and when even during the treasure hunt, what we were trying to do is uh, trying to trying to kind of uh, uh, simplify a knowledge, right? Which is generally we are like think about what happened in uh, in India from 1300 BC to now, from political point of view, educational point of view, like that, right? From to thinking of uh, employee engagement in the sense of employee engagement, not for a fun only perspective, but get to know each other perspective so that when you collaborate your roi is higher so there was a there was a there was an interesting two angle of engagement and uh, driving an roi that's kind of a two key metrics we had from the the foundation day one as we move forward we always used to question is this is this what we kind of going to stand for another 15 20 years uh, is this making that high roi impact and keep questioning that help a lot. Like, uh, I mean, KG can add, but like at one point of time, we were known as a very good cult company. Like, oh, this guy does really amazing initiative program for different, different uh, initiatives. But is this cult good enough to have the high impact ROI? Those are the questions you keep keep asking, keep asking. And you, uh, you should have uh, open eyes for... A different different point like for example in this journey we we got to expose to the sales somewhere in 2014 and when the sales came and then we tried to have a lens of engagement and ROI, that's where it started popping up oh that's a completely different game.
1: but I think partially the partially the answer was ans- answered in your first question right the whole idea was we entered because of curiosity it was not like we knew sales readiness right? So I think that part helped. And even if you see our name, which is Mind tickle, right? So there were like two fundamental principles that we have so far applied in the journey of our company and hopefully continue to do in future. So one was the mind part, what Deepak was mentioning about the ROI, right? So the whole part was like, we wanted to do something which is at least some, create some impact, right? And has some long lasting impact. You don't want to do something which is trivial. But on the other side, you don't want to get so serious that you don't, enjoy the journey or when you are connecting with people. So we thought that at least whether in the company, the kind of people we are interacting, the kind of solutions we bring, it should bring a delight. So Tickle was a, like a kind of, a, you can say it's not a synonym, but something to represent delight. So with that perspective, we started with treasure hunts. It was good. And then treasure hunts were also learning based because we thought there has to be fun, but you know knowledge based. And then over a period of time, we made the employee onboarding you know much more engaging. And then we got But all these things were good, but we were still not impacting the entire life cycle of a particular employee and not giving the ROIs that a company would like ideally for all the time investment that they were doing. And then over, you know, so once we figured out in sales space, sales is very interesting because in today's world, I mean, we are seeing a lot of, almost all the business models are changing offline, online, hybrid, uh, you know, like digital and all these things. So... Any company that you come in, like now or any product that you launch, you have to like practically start from scratch. So that's where, how do you make these people much more impactful in a very short period of time? And that's where we thought that this is going to create a lot of ROI and we started in this space. And then because of the whole nature of curiosity, like we started with sales onboarding, then we realized this is good, but people don't know how to... And tell their stories. So we got into, you know, role plays and then people need access. So we got into mobile, then people needed guidance. So we got into coaching Then we got into conversation intelligence. So the whole idea as Deepak was mentioning is like any problem that you are solving, you have to be like constantly looking at what the end customer needs. What is the thing that they are still missing? How can you add more value to it? And even like whether it is Mindicle or any other good company that you can see, the way it has grown is, As you know more about your customers, can you add more things? And it is all about like if you don't settle and if you keep trying to figure that out. So I think at Mindical, I think uh, since we did not start it with the agenda, it helped. And uh, now hopefully we are narrowing down on that area, but I still feel we are not done. Like we will continue to probably grow out of not only sales readiness, but we'll probably take this readiness concept because we are realizing It is becoming important, not only for CROs, but also for the entire company to become ready. So I think, I mean, this is all evolution, which will happen
0: absolutely no no I think that's again wonderful to hear because it I think exemplifies the clarity like having some core fundamentals and working towards them and figuring out the pathway as it goes is something that I'm observing and that's like a core tenant for any great entrepreneur any great company that we are witnessing so kudos on what Tickle is doing and great to see the ambition because we're all rooting for the success of it and we can only wait to see how much it evolves so great to hear that I think I want to quickly jump a, a bit astray And understand, you know, market forces. So you can only control so much. And we've spoken about that. We've spoken about a bunch of things that were exemplified by the founders, the team, right? But there's something called like market timing. People talk a lot about being at the right place, right time, whatnot. But those are uncontrollables for entrepreneurs, right? However, when you entered the market and I've heard folks speak about, you know, the curve adoption for sales being ready at that point so there was some amount of headwinds tailwinds that maybe played in your favor or maybe you can you know reflect more on that but what I want to understand as a whole is given that you were in a current trajectory, how do you time the market right how do you go on the right tailwinds and evolve along with the product that you continue doing right now as well and as Krishna referred to with you know being ready for the entire space how do you do those things as an entrepreneur those intricate aspects would be wonderful To hear.
1: I can go first uh, on this one. So I think, I mean, in general, even in stock market, they say, like, right, you cannot time the market, right? So I think entrepreneurship also, you cannot time the market, right? But what you can do is you have to have a consistently a point of view on the market. So you have to and you have to triangulate those things. I mean, this cannot be done only by market research or just talking to customers, or you know, I mean, like, it is not a theoretical exercise, it is A lot of those things were obviously a lot of data by reading, by talking, by understanding, by seeing trends, by seeing historically how things have moved, but also a gut feeling. So I think it's not rocket science per se. Let's put it that way. I mean, but the whole point is you constantly have to have a point of view. Like if you are doing an entrepreneurship, I think, again, obviously you have to be a little bit flexible on that, but also not too flexible to keep changing your direction every day. But uh, basically you need to have a point of view. And then sometimes you have to put your bet. You have to put 100% behind that. So many times, if your thought process is right, if you're directionally know that what you're reading, then things will align to it. And again, I mean, luck can favor sometimes and sometimes not. Like, for example, even if you go back in India, the demonetization, nobody knew. But I mean, when people knew that there will be a digital world, it just accelerates, right? Everybody knows that there will be e-commerce and online world, and COVID accelerated. So it's like sometimes you're directionally right and then you know, you might get initially a lot of tailwinds and headwinds, but uh, that thing you cannot control. Some things can just happen, but you have to be in the right direction and you basically you have to be on the train. And then, you know, I mean, if you're not on the train, then that's a problem, right? So that is a separate thing. So I think for us also, we, you know, when we realized that, hey, marketing stack is done and, you know, the, we, are, we, we saw that in our consumer world, we are becoming so finicky about buying, you know, we need to be, so we knew that, Overall, the word of sales readiness or the way we define is like, you know, people need to be better trained, better coached to sell better. So I think that was a given reality. Obviously, in 2015 and 2016, when we talked about it, it was, I mean, uh, Gartner, Forrester, nobody agreed to it. Like even like, you know, many investors were not convinced like this can be a category, like, right. But obviously that is where you had some hypothesis could have been right or wrong, but we put in all our weight. I still remember like, you know, Deepak put a gun on my head and like, guys, this is what we are doing. <laughs> so I said, okay, we are doing it. <laughs> so I mean, but that's where like you have to have a confidence, like, right, what we are doing. And then obviously, I mean, work, some things worked out, some things did not work out. But overall, now it is working. And again, directions are changing. So you have to be constantly looking at the markets and, I think the timing might be a little bit off. Sometimes you can get success in the first year itself. Sometimes it can take a couple of years, but you have to, you will get that feelers and then you have to stay on it. And, uh, but yeah, sometimes you don't have to be like, I mean, you have to also be practical because sometimes you are totally in a wrong direction and then you cannot be, I mean, it's a common, I don't know the answer. Sometimes being steadfast is okay. And sometimes things might not work out. So you have to be work hard and then sometimes you get lucky. So that is my take on it. And I mean, I'm sure Deepak will have a you know different point of view on that. But uh, this is how I think about it.
2: I think luck is, from my perspective, luck is nothing but the time. And when, when the event happened, were you present at that point of time? So were you present point of time basically means were you consistent? If you don't have a patience, if you don't have a faith, you never be consistent. And then you may not be present when things happen. When things doesn't happen that's that's a different case when things happens were you there so one of the fundamental thing is like the patience like uh the time there's no substitute to it you can only retrospect the historical events that okay uh, in 2000 e-commerce boom happened then ad industry got created and industry solved the problem of created a new problem of marketing then marketing automation happened and then marketing automation solved the problem and then now uh, so much competition with the cloud started happening. So much things happening now. The sales sales people needs this, right? So there's always a retrospection. So what Krishna mentioned is a f- very important point that you should have one hypothesis and hypothesis. So though I think I learned one term. This this this, this is called data. You call it data driven versus data informed. You can't be data driven because you will not have so many data. But you will be. You can be data informed. Like you have certain data which be indicative enough to take a gut call again at that point of time and stay
0: in the game. Got it. No, I think that's wonderful. What I think showing up, as you mentioned, right, like just the consistency factor coupled with what Krishna spoke about, like believing in the overall macro trend, right, that matters, you can't predict most micro trends. But if you have that firm belief in that macro aspect, understanding of it, if not belief, and couple it up with the consistency, I think uh, things should ideally work out. So. That, that's my cue from there. But this has been wonderful. I think this entire line of thought covers most of the early journey. And I would like to shift gears and perhaps go on to, you know, the culture aspect of things that I think also really stands out about MindTickle, purely because of the early fundamentals, as you mentioned, of ensuring that there will be learning, there'll be impact, there'll be a lot of value, but along with the fun aspect of it, along with the tangible value add for every team member as well, right? So if you can perhaps couple all of these things up and maybe give us an overview of the culture that you have established at Mindtickle, the way you've thought about it, the way you've been deliberate about the chopals as as there are, right? If you can give us all of those anecdotes of how that has been a constant focus as you become a large company, I think that would be amazing to hear for all budding entrepreneurs out there.
1: So... I think uh, that's where like, so one of the thing that uh, started somewhere in the name and the purpose, like, right. I mean, sometimes, as I mentioned, like, you know, a lot of startups start with a different purpose, at least like, you know, when we started initially, it was again, goes, goes back to our name, like mind tickle. So the Tickle part was important and the Tickle part was all about not only the product, it was about the journey, right? So we knew that the journey has to be interesting and the reason, one of the reason we were doing the startup was like we wanted to also enjoy the journey, get the like kind you know-minded people. Hopefully, grow with all of them together, and also pursue things and do things which are like why not like right? I mean the same thing, right? So I mean a lot of these things, and I think uh, and uh, you know like at least uh, most of my co-founders exhibited like let's break the norm, like like let's try something which not for the heck of it. Like you know sometimes you just want to be rebel for the heck of it, like not like that. So for example, one point was like, I mean, like, how do you share? And because most people want to do a startup, and most people have some kind of entrepreneurship thing in your mind. And that doesn't necessarily mean like you have to go all out and have to become a founder, you can be an entrepreneur in many ways. So how do you bring that transparency and make them involved? So that is where you when you mentioned Chopal, right? So was. So many companies have all hands because all hands generally becomes like one-way transmission, right? So at least when we started with, Chopal was more like just sharing plainly like what is happening in the company. So whoever you are, whatever position, whatever department, but sharing like the day-to-day challenges or what happened or celebrating, but more like rather than informing, telling like what happened, what went right, what went wrong, so that they could be part of it, right? And then the idea was like, you know, how do you get 360 degree growth, right? Because entrepreneur, I mean, like it's a long journey, so you cannot have only work going on. So, but how do you pursue? And we tried that most of us came from a very strong extracurricular background, like, you know, either we were in music, art, theater, games, right? So generally in, at least mostly in India, you stop it, like after college, like, no, you know, you are now in work, but, and that is something that we wanted to change. Like why stop it? Like in college, you also used to, you know, both study, work hard as well as do things. So, we tried to create an environment where everybody can get some part of their personality exposed. So, whether it is like, you know, we knew that, for example, introverts, they express through poem and literature. So, we have regular, you know, poetry things going on. For extroverts, we had like, you know, all these um, plays or, uh, you know, people which who are doing like, so we had our own music thing or we had our own football, cricket or whatever like sports thing. And then the third part was like, nature is an important part of it. Like, so how do you expose more people? So that is where we started creating something where we initially started going out closer to our environment, taking out for Pune, I mean, camping, tracking. And then we thought like, if you are working, if you are a cloud company, why can't we work out of cloud, right? So we wanted to shift our offices to Himalayas. Nobody had ever done that. But he said, let's try because we had a lot of faith in our employees. So we started in 2015, we were the first to coin the word workation, which I think COVID has made now pretty common word. It has become a dictionary word. And then Deepak went ahead and like literally set up the first lease line in Himachal. And then, you know, it became a trend. So over a period of time, the whole idea was like, how do you, it was not like, you know, designed for a attrition or hiring or, I mean, thankfully it was, as I mentioned, like at least most of the things were driven by core values. And then indirectly, obviously it helps a lot, but in general, the culture was set up with this like that how do you make people, give people a 360 degree holistic growth, right? Because, uh, you know, finance or like, you know, creating great products or building a world-class company is one part of it. But at the end of it, you have to grow your personalities as well, right? And how do you build those relationships? There's a lot of work stress already, which comes in, right? Irrespective of wherever work and whatever you do. But how do you make a community where you want to go to office every day? How do you create a... Culture where like, you know, you at least want to belong. So that's what drives us and that's still driving. But I mean, I have summarized it and Deepak has actually created it. So he can give deeper insights.
2: No, not necessarily. This, I mean it's a collective effort of uh, all the founders uh, and the and the and the mind who had faith in it. But foundationally, if you look at like all the founders, we started with the four, now the three three co-founder, Nishant is the third co-founder. We we all had a very diverse thought process, right? And a very complementary each other. And couple of parameters that we kind of from day one, we had followed. Like for example, we, I mean, we still fight today. I mean, in the morning before our before we were had a, a debate, one uh, of the topic. We still have that, that, that fight energy that we used to have 10 years before. Reason is that uh, the one principle that we never fight for a person, for as a person, we fight on a thought process. I could be my thought process could be wrong, and in in like install that thought process in each and every employee. That hey, you are not when you are discussing something. A fight means not like the, the fight means like you are debating on your ideas. You debate on ideas only if you believe it. Otherwise, you don't debate it. And when you debate it, how to remove that barrier that oh, this is this person elects, X. Bringing that part. Mm-hmm. Second aspect of bringing that part is like the Krishna and Chopal. So whole idea of Chopal is information. I mean, not all. It's very difficult to have every information, but how do we bring the information flow so that their decision makings are more informed. And the third part is a trust. A lot of companies hear uh, many people that, hey, we join the firm, you earn the trust, right? You work so that you earn the trust. Our philosophy is very different. Our philosophy is, hey, you may find only four rounds in another company, but Mindical it might be six to eight rounds. But once you're in, you have, already earned the trust, right? We have your trust. Now it's up to you where to take it. That's a fundamental difference where uh, when you get in, you get in, you get in with the full trust. You don't need to earn the trust. Once you win, you have the trust. So these are the fundamentals principle. Basically the lead people drive anything or uh, sharing something like, which is, uh, which is not perfect. Exposing also the things are not perfect. And some of them, because you need, because no, I mean, even the large organization is not perfect. But showing those examples are showing that, hey, and each employees can play a founding role. And those elements also reflect our cultural value. Like, and that also came from the employee itself. The DAB, we have three letter acronym, cultural value DAB. It came from the employee. It didn't came from the founder. So, so DAB is D for delight customer. A is basically act like a founder. Right? and b is built together so these all came from bottom up itself that did still have you should be decisive enough to take charge execute enough so these things help us help us to kind of uh, do many things personality culture fun vacation when you do think about that we spend crews. and that buzzard is given to employee to spend to plan so uh, you also get, it's like if you if you have been in the college, like in my college, Mood Indigo, people used to, the fourth year grad used to get this crores of budget to plan. And that also shaped their personalities to how to spend, how to think, how to think of the ROI, everything, right? So we try to have a uh, number of such things.
0: No, that's lovely. I think I absolutely love that line of thought. Thank you so much for sharing Krishna and Deepak, because for everyone listening in, I think the cue is, in keeping it simple and thinking about the fundamental things that, you know, drive us as humans. And if you can create a space which helps us grow, helps us get rounded personalities, helps us want to be a part of impact value change. I think that really matters. And all of those anecdotes are a step in that direction, in my opinion. So I love that line of thought. I think, you know, as we go on to, you know, final parts of the conversation, I'd love to also perhaps, you know, understand the entire aspect of what you're championing in terms of Indian SaaS for the world. And when we Think of, you know, talking about, let's say, uh, Indian products going to the world, you've seen the Freshworks IPO, that's been a great landmark for the ecosystem, we've seen so many other companies like yours really build for the world. That focus in MindTickle's journey was very early and it was something that was already a part of it from the very start, it was not a reckoning at, you know, let's say, a later point in time help us understand that entire workflow thought, what was the change like? I know Deep, uh, I know Krishna moved to the US very early on in the journey and then you built a remote organization that's dominated a global clientele. So context be, you know, summarizing the question, how have you built this giant from India for the world and what have been the intricacies of doing that? I think if you could lay that out there, I think that'll be really aspirational for
1: everyone hearing. So one part was like, very beginning because i think uh, at least you know again so one of you know so some of the co-founders had good experience of being earlier in startups which had both india us presence so we had seen some part of the us markets and even like you know in a, some of our previous companies we had seen like how this overall market works and for an enterprise market we knew that if you have to really build it right and if you have to really scale it like you know us is the market right having said that uh, we also know that most of these products were indirectly getting built in india right so most of these startups were starting in us but practically the they were the work was getting done in india so then that was the thought process that why can you know companies from india do it and historically we have seen that india is a great place because you get you have to just show like you know india like you know there was one infosys where pro couple of companies happened and then we changed the entire landscape and then a Mintra and uh, uh, sorry, this Flipkart and Ola happened and we changed the Indian lands. And now like with Freshworks IPO happening and so there's a big chain of SMB SaaS happening and with MindTickle and some of the other companies that are happening, we believe that enterprise SaaS will happen and it's just like, you know, most of us believe that it's just that let's try to make that happen and that's where like, you know, the thought process was day one clear that if you have to get into enterprise US is the market and we can leverage the Indian product and engineering and thought process which has overall come in like right so we can still explore the markets overall figure out the best of the things like you know whatever things that you can get and although i did not move earlier one of my co-founder moved earlier uh, and then you know i was still shuttling back and forth so the markets were us that was very clear to us it had to be enterprises that was very clear to us obviously we started we did not know like which enterprises like whether it will be smb enterprise or market so we pretty soon we realized that the because we were creating a category, it will be very difficult to go and create it. In, and then the kind of things that our product was, it was more suited for product market fit companies. That means SMB was out. So we knew we had to be in mid market and large enterprises. So we started in the mid market because that was more safe. We ended up there, learned and you know learned the, some tricks of the trade, and then slowly cautioned into some large enterprises. But uh, and then also over a period of time accordingly added maturity senior you know and some like senior people on the go-to market side in the global world but never shied away from like being taking it all to one geography or all to this geography the whole idea was that it has to be a global company and you have to use best of the things that you can use from a particular geography and that is how we have been built you know building the company and basically there were a lot of what do you call it, mental blockers or like, you know, people say, oh, you cannot build a product company out of India. I mean, like these are the anecdotes we have been hearing. So thankfully that got broken. Oh, you cannot sell enterprise. And then that got broken. So, I mean, there are a lot of mental blocks or like industry, you know, thought process. So those were like just the things that you had to think twice and then just work against it. So I think uh, some were uh, right, some were wrong. So over a period, but yes, summary is we had a very clear focus that US is our market. Uh, mid-market to enterprise is what we'll have to do. We are more consultative. We can build products. These were the like three, four strong thought process on which the company was built. And we are still building around.
2: Well, I think <clears throat> Krishna well summarized it. So that's a uh, that's a fundamental thing. We Day one, we had thought of uh, the, the global market and uh, one of the key hurdles was we needed to crack the enterprise and when you think of that how to use best of the world basically
0: got it no no i think that's clear again i what what i'm constantly hearing is you know just having those fundamentals right knowing what needs to be done and then figuring out the pathway since you were building a worldcast product for the globe it only made sense to go for the globe and you know if u.s was a Tangible market—that's what you went after, and that was a natural extension of your thought process. Uh, I think you know further. I I, there's another thing I would love to understand, which is the hyper growth phase that I think you are currently in, and as you continue to expand, uh, you will be in because uh, we've seen the valuations, and that's another side. But just pure growth numbers through the pandemic, the accelerated growth for MindTickle has been a lot, right? Uh, I think if you can perhaps reflect on any learnings for scaling, success successfully keeping intact the cultural tenants, keeping intact the small company tenants that actually help you make stuff happen. how do you do that at scale with speed, ensuring that you are growing? I think that would be wonderful to just
1: understand from your lens. I think fundamentally I think uh, first principles help. So far it has helped. Again I mean maybe two years later if you'll have this uh, podcast maybe we'll have more information to share. But so far, I think if you focus on those fundamentals, because definitely COVID has been a challenging time, right? In the sense, like, because our company, which was so much, we were we are very close-knit company. We have, even like when we, teams in US, we are flying back and forth. And like, you know, we have a very natural tendency of being in person. So definitely that got challenged, right? And then obviously communicating that information, making that personal touch, because generally our company has been very much about Aligning everyone, bringing transparency, generalizing those energies. So we had to put in a lot of extra effort to continue to do the same. We actually did not do something like totally out of, like, I mean, we had to change the ways to make that happen. Like, right. We still continue to do. Yeah, we cannot do our workations because that is, you know, but most of the other things, then we figured out ways to make that happen. Whether it is our annual day, whether it is our virtual events, whether it is our continuous communication, you know, company kickoffs. So that is one way where like you continue to, I think the best part is like, yes, I think we keep hearing and seeing it on LinkedIn is it's not about just getting uh, smart people. It is about getting great people, motivated people together and then explaining what the vision is and then people find out what what needs to be done. So the biggest challenge to rapidly scale a company is how do you keep people connected on a common purpose and a common mission? how do you do it at a scale? And how don't you how do you keep that fire alive? So I think I'll summarize it at, at that high level. And then obviously there are day-to-day challenges on scaling up and there are issues and managing in a you know this kind of environment. But I'll just say that I personally feel that if you are able to continue with that fire in our belly and align people and just Tell them the bigger vision and purpose, and then I think most people who want to align will align and scale, right? So that's where like it has worked so far, and hopefully should work, continue to work.
2: Yeah, adding to it, like I mean, as you grow, like uh, in pandemic, we actually grew more than two X, in fact, in the people, right? So we are now I think six fifty plus, which potentially have by next year and will be like 700 eight hundred people. So. The key aspect of the growth when you hit that part is basically now you switch the gear, you had the product figured out. Obviously, it's not figured it out, you still, I mean, you still need a lot to do. But people become like critical because you get many layers, right? And then the right process. So very important thing on the people, like how do you have the key people still believe in you. Believe in the foundation, right? In a growth journey, exposed to what they wanted to do, exposed, marry their ambition and the company ambition. That's tough problem, but you need to spend that time. At the same time, processes in the processes. The one part is very important to uh, kind of having a kind of a again, right? Informed decision, understanding. There are some like really understanding the right people. Like right? there are people who. Who are peripherally good there are, but not good at the core when you typically hire you, you you assume that person is good right but we realize so you need to identify those things balance it out early on when you're growing because a too late a late is a too late in the growth so yeah
0: yeah yeah no, I love that because I think there's a focus on the intricate details as opposed to just like, uh, you know, the surface level things. And a lot of what was mentioned is, you know, in terms of scale, you spoke about the finer nuances that can matter. And that I think really makes the difference. And so I think that's lovely. I mean, at scale, it's just a great to see MindTickle do so well and hopefully those cues can be for the young entrepreneurs there as well. I have another question in terms of you know uh, then this is interesting how does the sales readiness company sale is what I want to understand as well so what is the MindTickle strategy to kind of you know ensuring you get a large market share and ensure that you know all of these larger fortune 500s and other uh, bases that you have What is or enterprise selling for MindTickle look like and uh, how have you been able to, you know, crack that code would be very interesting before we move on to the ending conversation.
1: So whenever, again, I mean, for people who are uh, going to build uh, companies, there are two kinds of companies. One, if you're in an existing market, uh, which is pretty, you know, well-defined, let's say a CRM market or some, you know, HRMS market or some market. So the markets which are very well-defined the challenge you are going to have is like, how do you cut out, cut through that competition there is through technology, processes, simplicity, God knows, whatever it is. So the market is, I mean, it is simple, but difficult to break into. Or if you are creating category, then it is uh, interesting because nobody is there. But then that is the problem that nobody is there. Like So you have to make people uh, listen about it. So I think there's a lot of energy that went into it and that we have to now continuously probably invest twice as much time and energy into it is you have to create the thing like what are you trying to do? Why are you trying to do? Whose problem are you solving? So there has to be a lot of emphasis on evangelization of this whole problem, making people aware. So that is where like, you know, how do you connect and you have to do selling at a lot of level, like in the sense, like, you know, the product has to tell a story. The market has to tell a story. The customer has to tell a story. So the sales cycles are longer. And then there's a a lot of time which gets into making the people aware. And then when you make them aware, then you have to also make them successful. So the good part about our story has been like a lot of focus around what is readiness initially took time. But now I think it's like really picking up like the market knows it. Then once you have got those customers, then making them successful. Because once they become successful, then you can get more referrals, right? And then that itself generates a lot more, you know, inside sales, inside a company. When you work with a Fortune 500, you make one department successful, you can make other departments successful. So our strategy is mostly around evangelization, enterprise focused, account based marketing, because you have to start targeting a lot of these accounts, right? Do a lot of these uh, trials, pilots, land in. Basically, we have to win a lot of confidence. We have to invest a lot into making the our champion successful. So there are different kinds of categories. In our categories, people's job depends on our software, like right? So it is good and bad. Like It is good because you are making so many people successful. So it's very delightful to make that happen. But on the other side, we are also constantly, like you know, stressed out because you make mistakes and you are going to make, you know, like companies and people's uh, life miserable. So I mean, it's a both interesting thing. But summary is yes, in the in the markets that we are doing, you have to continuously create and reach to a point. And I think we are getting to a tipping point where hopefully the evangelization will start reaping in a lot more fruits than what whatever we are being reaping into, like so.
0: Know, for sure. I think that's very interesting to hear simply from the perspective of creating a market and the nuances that can go into it, the evangelism aspect, creating that sense of awareness and the focus on it. I mean, taking on that challenge of ensuring all of those fundamental base gets clear for the market and then compounding on top of it. I think that's what I'm hearing. Further, you know, I think what's interesting is that we now are hearing this entire wave of PLG. Uh, we're hearing a lot of things that are getting evolved in a large way, right? And so as you've thought about the product from, let's say, sales, onboarding, to enablement, to readiness, and now thinking about a larger spectrum, what will be interesting to understand from your lens is how do you structure an org? To ensure for, let's say, innovation, an adequate amount of it versus process, right? So I'm sure you have certain things working for you, want to double down on it and keep repeating that cycle. Vis-a-vis ensure that keep up with the trends of the market, ensure that the product is evolving and have a lot of innovation on that front. So on that piece, if there's any recipe that maybe as founders who are You've really seen multiple market cycles, multiple product cycles. What do you have for org structures to ensure that piece? I think that would be wonderful to hear, Krishna and Deepak.
1: So I think uh, Deep, I mean, uh, I think Deepak uh, will be best suited to answer this question. And also on that note, I have a, to drop right now. So I think I'll let Deepak and you continue the discussion. Thanks, Ziva. Thank you, Krishna. This was wonderful. Thanks for playing.
2: So I think the the important aspect is to understand that whatever you build an org design uh, or org structure it is i'll say org structure because that is generally philosophy is not going to typically last more than a year or two uh if you're in a growth phase so first is you need to accept that part and then if you accept that part you are able to change that right so uh, that means that responsibility will keep changing and when you think that part, they need to train the mindset of the people that, hey, suddenly some of them you have to go deeper versus some of you go, need to go broader. So that, that is like a constant effort of doing that. So like till now we have like fourth or fifth org design, org structure done. Uh, and we are doing, we are kind of in discussion right now in, that, uh, in a phase that at this, like we, when we have almost like of 400, going to be 400 R&D team and then 800 people overall. How is that still make the pace? The important, I think it's, I don't know, is there's a recipe or not, but there could be a framework. Uh, the uh, the framework could be uh, like for understanding the life cycle of product, like which is, and you always hit two parts, right? You always hit one part a day. Over the time, you you get one part of the product or a one, one part of the platform is kind of paying you the right growth. But over the time, let's say, if, even if the leader, right, you need to reinvent that. Reinvent so that you can keep the leap. And the second part is about, okay, that's generating, that's good enough for, let's say, your uh, another 50, 60, 70% growth at scale. But to bump up to more than 100% growth, you and knowing that ecosystem growing, you are emerging or complementing with the, the product line or expanding the platform use cases. So that's where you need to kind of have a, a, a some startup focus, and and this part like oh you give it after two years or three years that becomes into the mainstream. So how do you how do you kind of in an org design identify such people right first who is flexible to go sometimes deeper right or versus kind of understand that sometimes horizontal broader right you need to understand that that dynamics helps you. Second part is about once you understand that the people a perspective, that who who is that, right? And the second part is about to do that. You, as in from the market perspective, ecosystem perspective, you should have that when is the time? Like for example, if Mindical has to hit like a five hundred million ARR incoming line, then I know for the current product will give me 200, 300 million for standard way, but another two hundred to reach, I need to I need to start now on that these lines. So that view you have to have. And then uh, this structuring, like based on this principle, right? You do you.
0: Got it, got it. No, I think that makes sense. I mean, the focus on the vision and ensuring that you have flexibility within the org to ensure the micro things keep ticking towards the macro aspects would be wonderful. Uh, I mean, quickly double clicking on that factor, deeper, and maybe if you can also help us understand how has the product evolved on a more so without getting too technical, right? Considering that there are multiple ways that are happening, especially, you know, product like growth being one, how have you thought about the product evolution considering that there is a vibrant and very dynamic uh, org structure to it. I think that would be wonderful to hear.
2: So, so two parts. So, one is potentially focus on mind because so what we understood the red, so you know the readiness. Like a lot of people get confused with the LMS and all, right? So, training, learning, and readiness. You know, fundamentally difference. Readiness is a concept. Readiness is an outcome. Readiness actually means an outcome, and to hit an outcome, learning could be one of the way. Training could be one of the way. So that suddenly changes that, okay, if I have to make sales rep ready for the job, what else is needed, right? And impactful for the person to be ready. So That broadened thought process helped us to go deeper. I mean, think about the vertical for each role, like the sales role, go vertical. For the support role, go vertical. For a customer success role, go vertical. Then your integration points changes, your data point changes to kind of recommend and go deeper. So that is a thought process that we we had when we discovered this readiness, that, hey, readiness is not the problem of onboarding or a consistent massing, these are the just use case readiness is a broader umbrella. And that helped us eventually ultimately kind of envision the broader picture of sales readiness, right. And when we got deeper in the sales readiness is actually kind of open the thought of the overall employee. Readiness. So this is a fundamentally different thought process than people used to think, oh, let's do this training, let's do this course, let this content, right. And if you look at the organization, subjectivity is super high in each organization. It's not the standard content because each business is so niche. So, how do you incorporate subjectivity into the platform for a different role to get success? So, this is the kind of the broader thought we uh, and and if you look at that part, this is a humongous, much I don't know how uh, probably fifty to 100 market in that.
0: Absolutely, no, no, I I love that approach. And again, I think you know it's just the clarity of knowing more than perhaps what the mass will understand and then keeping on at it and then finding different use cases that generate great value. I think that has been so fundamentally wonderful about MindTickle, and it's great to hear that entire piece. I think this has been wonderful Deepak and all of these answers have been very, very enlightening. Uh, for the final question, I know we've spoken about a lot of positive things, strategic things, a bunch of those aspects, but on a rather stereotypical load, if you can perhaps reflect on some of the challenges along the way and summarize your key learnings for the entrepreneurial journey on a very broad basis, I think that would be very helpful to bring this wonderful conversation to a close.
2: Good question. I think uh, two, two or three things I'll probably mention, like the journey is not always the same. It's like a game. As you elevate, the the complexity increases, and then when the complexity increases, you need to be more prepared. So one one important aspect that we if you look at the pivot, right, we had almost the fourth pivot when we finally right, and this fourth pivot we had many times a question also, right? Should we should we kind of just go <laughs> start right, Get back love, right? But first part is about the faith. Right, having that faith and having the some sort of a measurement idea, you can't be completely blind. To have that understanding, it was, it is, it is going to be tough. Right, when you take a call, it's going to be tough. But how do you have an informed decision? You can't be completely blind, and you can't ask for all data because neither will be there. Right. So that's another first part. Second part is about I'll tell you the journey. Like back in 2017, we completely we were in the mid market. So, like all the hyper growth organization was our customer, like Amazon, Coltrax, if you know. I mean, all the MongoDB, Couchbase, all the hyper growth company was a customer. And when we switched, when we actually switched, the pivoted in this. 2017 is the year when we kind of decided that hey, it we have to go up, super up. And that pivotal was uh, like think about it. So when you think of a super enterprise motion, like it's not just a sales motion; it's a whole org motion. Even a developer has to understand what does it mean to have an enterprise product, right? Because two things, one, you build an enterprise, like think about if they're paying multi-million dollar, one, one small challenge also they'll call you. So how to think of building a fail-safe product? That's a fundamental change. Second is about it's possible that what you build, the users is delayed. Then, and right. Then how do you kind of feedback in that aspect? Right. So it's a, it's a whole, or thought process change, right? Then that was, there was a long motion and you need, you, you may need a different, sometimes a different kind of people. So understanding that uh, and understanding the capability, that's another uh, important aspect. The important second part is always be brutal in the thought. Brutal, I would say not brutal, but this is very reflective, right? That is, are you serving, are you serving that, Right. right. Is there, a, is there a better, is there a summer role which is someone is doing better? Keep looking for that because at the end, founders are generally journalists. So when you grow, that always look at that part. Right. Sometimes you are able to hire good people. And if you hire a good people and if you hire a bad people and the leadership, you take almost like a six to eight months, nine months, a year to realize and another six to eight months, nine months, a year to kind of clean you wasted two years, and in the journey of that, that costs a lot. Uh, so, so that's so be observant on the people part, right? Because that's going to key at, at a certain growth level. That who are you associating with?
0: Absolutely, you no. Know, I think faith and the reflection are both amazing pointers to end. What has been a great conversation? I think uh, I personally have gained so much insight into building a global category creating company at scale and growing it with innovation and amazing fundamentals. Thank you so much Deepak for a wonderful, wonderful time. I mean, you've been very candid sharing your learnings and what MindTickle is doing is absolutely phenomenal. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did.
2: No, thanks Ivraj. Thanks for uh, kind of this conversation. I hope uh, this is helpful for some of the people who are starting up Absolutely. The hope is the
0: same. Thank you so much, Deepak. Awesome. With that, we come to the end of this conversation. Thank you so much for tuning in to the episode. I really hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you're finding value with the podcast, do follow it on the audio streaming platform of your choice, drop in a review, and subscribe to our WhatsApp newsletter to get all the updates directly on your inbox thanks again i will see you next week for another episode till then i hope you record if you never try you'll never know stay tuned and keep building